This week on Across the Peak, Rich and I are going to tell you how to create your own historical record, improve your health, improve your mental health, all through the power of keeping a journal. Welcome to the Across the Peak podcast, the show where Rich and Justin discuss preparedness, the birds and the bees, guns, history, tattoos, and well, basically all the stuff your old man should have taught you. Rich Brown's a failed 70s child actor, retired Marine Corps officer and former cop. Justin Carroll, he's a washed up former special operator, half-assed author, and adventurer at large. Learn life skills, harden the fuck up, and become a dangerous man. Get your damn boots on, gents, because we're going Going across the peak. Rich, what's going on, my man? Man, every time I hear our intro music, I get pumped up, dude. Hey, brother. Yeah, same here. And uh, man, let's just go ahead and put out a plug for the guy that made that intro music for us. Yeah, John Melly, if you're listening, uh, John, I think maybe he works for NBC up in uh, Boston, but he... He was kind enough. He does some of this podcast uh, stuff on the side, and he is uh, an awesome dude. And actually, he did the, the one for my other show, the American Warrior Show. Yeah, man. He, he uh, Actually, that's where I found out about him. And uh, before you and I decided to do this podcast, I had actually been in touch with John about doing the intro music for another show that is still kind of on my back burner, but is, is definitely still kind of kicking around in my head. So, um, yeah, thanks, John, for uh, for all you did for us. And if you guys, hey, man, little little free advertising, little buzz marketing here. If somebody's thinking about making a podcast, needs an awesome intro, uh, get at us at Richard Across the Peak, and we'll put you in touch with John. Yeah, you can also find him at www.johnmelly.com, where he has a website where he, uh, actually you can hear some of his samples of his voiceover work. He does all kinds of stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, check him out. Yeah, definitely check him out. So, before we start this episode, there's one other thing that I want to plug, and that is the Across the Peak Instagram page, at Across the Peak, and Kai has taken the reins on our Instagram. I, dude, I have zero social media. I don't know the first damn thing about Instagram, except it has pictures, I guess, um, but Kai knows what she's doing and assures me this is the coolest Instagram page, feed, site, whatever, on the internet, and you guys need to check that out. Yeah, man, check it out. Uh, Like us, follow us, whatever you do on Instagram, and uh, you will see some pretty cool stuff there. And also check out acrossthepeak.com for our show notes and additional bonus content that we we probably should talk more about, but we don't. But I'm going to just tease it. Go check it out, and you'll find more stuff there. Yeah, she did She did an amazing job on that. She put a ton of time into it. And for, we've had the Instagram icon up on acrossthepeak.com for a while. There's been zero content. It's been private. We've been following zero people. It's had zero people. And then one day, Kai just flipped the switch and turned it on, and we're following freaking everybody and we've got a ton of awesome content up there so make sure you guys check that out so we're also going to introduce a new segment this week that we are going to do in every episode and that is going to be a what did you do this week segment and rich and i are going to talk about how we have learned from the podcast what we've done to make ourselves a little better and uh, how we're trying to get hashtag atp af so, Rich, what'd you do this week, man? Oh, dude, I did. Um, let's see, BJJ obviously Tuesday, and then last night, 
And last night, you know, when we got to the gym, the instructor's like, okay, man, we're going to bow in and we're just going to start rolling. We're going to do three-minute rolls and uh, just keep cycling through, get another partner and go again. So that went on for 30 minutes. And then he's like, all right, now take your gis off or do a no-gi. All right, cool. And then hit the timer again. It'd be three-minute rolls with a 30-second break. And uh, literally by the end of one hour, the, f- the freaking mats were slick. You know, you couldn't hold on to your training partner. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, did that, man. Did some light lifting. Um, did a tire rotation, too, and had my brakes checked. So how's that for ATPAF? That's pretty good, man. That's that's pretty solid, dude. I got to admit, you pretty ATP this week, man. <laughs> Yeah, and I would, you know, the reason that we're telling you about this, I think one of the things is this is not a show where you can sit in your freaking mom's basement and vegetate. This is a show for men and women that want to get out there and get engaged and live life. I'm not telling you how to live it. You find out what's ATP for you. This is what's ATP for us, man. That's right, man. Yeah, the the point of the show is to help you do something, to help you be more competent, more dangerous, and actually put those skills to use where where applicable. So um, I'm probably going to give the listener a little bit of insight into how far we record some of these episodes. But uh, I'll tell you what I did uh, this week. I did I did a bunch of things. The, the two big things I did is I went out uh, immediately after we recorded the fire episode that ran several weeks back by the time the listener's hearing this. And I bought two fire extinguishers. I bought a uh, like a, a fairly decent i don't have any specs on it abc type fire extinguisher uh just for general purpose use and i bought one of those uh cans of class k fire extinguisher to keep in the kitchen there Uh, and the other thing i did is last night i spent uh about three hours in under the uh, needle in the tattoo artist chair getting started on a very big tattoo that's going to take uh several sittings and um Kai, also took Kai to get her first tattoo. That is awesome, and we're going to do an episode on on tattoos right at some point. Yeah, that's uh, that'll probably be after the new year, but it, it is on the calendar. And, and yeah, just to give you guys a little bit of insight, we do have because actually I just got an email this morning, somebody asking, "Hey man, can you guys do an episode on this?" And uh, Rich and I have standardized a little bit. We've got an editorial calendar, and we've got an awesome lineup of shows planned out all the way through early February. Uh, man, we, we've got some amazing shows coming up. But yeah, a tattoo episode is definitely in there because we got to do it at some point, Rich, because we, in our intro music, we say that we will talk about tattoos. <laughs> yes, we will. And uh, hopefully help you make some good decisions when it comes to those. But um, one final thing, if you do have a question for Justin or I, uh, a question you'd like us to address on the show to help others that maybe are having the same question. Seriously, man, send it into the show. Uh, Justin at Across the Peak or Rich at Across the Peak, we'd love to, to have it. And and on that topic of sending stuff into the show, if you have an idea for a show, something you'd like to hear uh, Justin and I discuss for an hour, hey, man, throw it out there. Absolutely, man. We We, we love your suggestions. We want to give you the stuff that you want to know about. And um, I don't know. I, I started to say I'll throw a little teaser out of some of the shows that we have planned. But uh, I think I'll say that. I think uh, most of our listeners are going to make going to enjoy most of our shows. And uh, I kind of have a philosophy that if you're pleasing everybody, you're doing something wrong. So I'm sure there's probably one show out there for every single person that they're not going to enjoy. But uh, 
we, we do have a broad range of topics planned, but we want to hear your ideas as well. So anyway, with, with all that rambling and plugging and administrative stuff out of the way, what are you drinking this week, buddy? I am drinking, well, this week I'm drinking all kinds of stuff, but this morning specifically, uh, or this evening specifically, I'm having Five Farms Irish Cream. Have you ever heard of this? Uh, no, I have not, man. Oh, dude. You, you, you sent me an awesome photograph of it the other day, though. Oh, uh, yeah. We'll have to put that in the show notes. This stuff is amazing. I went to the I went to the old Good Times liquor store here in um, Cross Vegas, Tennessee, and they were... Uh, there was some customers coming out. They're like, dude, you got to go sample this. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And they'd bought like four bottles of it. And uh, I sampled it and it was absolutely phenomenal. I guess there's five farms in County Cork in Ireland. And, and they have cows and they do uh, single malt Irish whiskeys. And they combine the two and to make this one singular product. That's all they make. And it is Five Farms Irish Cream, and, it, and it's 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 phenomenal. Man, that yeah, that sounds amazing. I've never been the biggest. Um, I guess I've never been the biggest drinker of Irish cream, but I do enjoy it. It's just it's just something that never really pops up on my radar, man. But when you sent that picture the other day, I was like, dude, that looks absolutely amazing. Oh yeah, their marketing is spot on, and and I'm I'm, the, I'm with you, Justin. I'm not a big Irish cream guy. I probably wouldn't have picked it out if had somebody not asked me to try it. But uh, for a little sipper there at, at night before you shut it down by the fire, it is just can't beat it. Yeah, well, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, man. Out here in Denver, there is a chill in the air. We are definitely fully into fall, no question about it, man. And uh, I'm drinking something a little bit in the fall spirit. I'm drinking a beer by Harpoon Brewery, which Harpoon is a brewery out of uh, Massachusetts. I'm drinking a beer called Flannel Friday. It's an IPA. Uh, it's, it's I'd say, midway hoppy. It's not the hoppiest beer I've ever drank by a, by a long shot. And it remains very, very crisp. Man, it's, it's a pretty awesome beer, for the fall time of the year, man. Yeah, I've never heard of that, man. I'm about to check it out. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. we I have an awesome beer store just down the street from the house. And, uh, man, every time we go in there, they have a handful of things that are always in stock. But most of their stock is completely rotating. And it's just whatever is kind of in season, kind of whatever's whatever they happen to get. So I saw that the other day. And, uh, and Kai saw it. They do a, a flannel Friday at her work. And uh, actually, they do it, mine too. And and she absolutely loved that. She's like, we got to get this one. And I'm glad we did, man. We went back for a second six pack of it last night. Oh, sweet. And it's a it's a hoppy. Did you say it's an IPA? But it's not terribly hoppy. I I put it about mid range on the hoppiness uh, spectrum for IPAs. It it's it's not. I, I feel like saying it's an IPA tends to put me off of a lot of beer. What the hell am I talking about? I'm looking at the bottle right now. It's it's actually an uh, an amber, but it says hoppy on the bottle. But for an IPA, it wouldn't be very hoppy. It's pretty hoppy for an amber, which I would say puts it kind of the lower. Uh, well, uh, I'll tell you, it is definitely there. a flannel Friday here on the farm. It has been kind of dark and rainy all day long, and um, just looking to sitting around the fire with my wolfhounds and my honey. Kids are all out and. Uh, Beautiful day, man. So what are we talking about today? Well, you and I, man, I love how some of these episodes come up, man. You and I just happened to have a conversation yesterday and mentioned journaling. And 
I have kept various journals through the years. I've, you know, I've sometimes I've been more disciplined about it, less disciplined about it. I've been pretty good about it lately. Uh, I'm trying a new style of journaling. I've, I've been at it for about three months now. And you started talking about your journal, and I'm like, man, why the hell isn't this an episode? Uh, because I, I started looking into this. And it turns out there are a ton of health benefits to journaling. There's a ton of like kind of squishy benefits that are kind of difficult, I guess, to quantify. But I'm a big fan of journaling, man. And I would love to turn some more people onto this, talk a little bit about uh, the history of journaling, why you might want to think about journaling, and then get into the nuts and bolts a little bit about how you and I do it. Because you and I do it we're almost at opposite ends of the spectrum in every imaginable category. Yeah, we are. But uh, And all I want to do is whether you do it Justin's way or my way, it doesn't matter. I just want you to start that habit. And eventually over time, you will develop your own routine and, how, and what works for you. But I think that the why you should journal is incredibly important. And we'll definitely discuss that. But let's talk about, and I just want to briefly, just a sentence or two about the history of the word journal because etymology always is pretty fascinating. And I guess back in the mid 14th century, uh, the Anglo-French word journal was nothing more than a book of church services. And then old, and that came from the old French word uh, journal, which was a day or a time, a day's travel or work. So that daily thing or that book gets slowly combined into what we think of as journaling today. I love that, man. I, I love that. And I love the history that you put in here. We started talking about this and I started roughing out some show notes and you went back in and dropped all this history in. And I, I had no idea about any of this, man. Yeah. It's always fascinating how uh, language gets to us over time. You know, and we probably, there's another show like, uh, there's some linguistic fossils that that's the way I kind of think of them that I still carry on today. I think I may have mentioned on, a, on another podcast that my grandfather, the way he would call the cattle just sounded like gibberish to me until I tried to write down his words before he passed away and, and Googled those words. And it turns out he was speaking in Gaelic. And I, I'm sure if you asked him, he would have no freaking clue what that was. It's just what he had passed on. So those words, how they come to us through time, it just fascinates the shit out of me. Yeah, absolutely, man. And there's a couple terms that my parents still use that are, man, just take you right back to the Emerald Isle. And I'm sure they don't have the slightest idea where that stuff comes from. And even a few more like little relics that come from really, really interesting places. Um, one one word in particular, I'm going to tell on myself a little bit here, Rich. One word in particular that my mother uses all the time when she is trying to refer to, to uh, a great quantity of something is she will say bukus. There was bukus of, I don't know, frying pans at this store. And that's taken directly from the French boku, which means large or great. And I don't know how the hell that got in the lexicon, and I'm sure she doesn't, but uh, that that's one of her go-tos, man. Yeah, and they would say things like a lot of these uh, Southern Appalachian country-type phrases, what we would consider like, that's just ignorant redneck speak. If you trace it back, it, uh, it actually has these amazing roots, even some of the—I don't want to get too far off the topic because 
I could literally go all day. Uh, there's some interesting books on the on the topic, and we'll definitely want to share that with a leader because these regional dialects uh, will carry you, like you said, Justin, across the ocean back to where your uh, your ancestors came from. Boy, I I could go down a huge, huge, huge long rabbit hole about this, but I would encourage the listener. You and I talked about this book many episodes ago, Rich. I think it might have been episode one or two. It was called The Stuff of Thought by Steven Pinker and how language, how the how the possession of language enabled us to form more abstract thoughts because we had words that could quantify events in the future, events that happened in the past. Um words that could quantify numbers greater than, I think if you look at the most sophisticated animals, like other than humans, they can only, only comprehend numbers up to like maybe four or five or six or somewhere in there. It's it's not very big, Uh, but language gave us the ability to do all of that. And it's got a number of interesting little linguistic uh, foibles in there, I guess how the book opens up by how the entire insurance policy uh, for the World Trade Center when it was felled by terrorists in 2001, hinged on one little word that happened to be in that insurance policy. It also talked about the Bill Clinton, I'm sure everybody remembers this, uh, when he was, when the Mona Lewinsky, Monica Lewinsky scandal was ongoing, he testified on the stand. He said, well, that depends on what your definition of is is. And everyone made fun of that. But that was actually 100% grammatically correct. And if you look at the whole transcript, it's actually practically correct. He was trying to understand the question, but uh, everybody just took that and ran with it. But um, fascinating book, dude. And language is absolutely fascinating to me, man. Words are fun. They are. And on that subject of Bill Clinton, I've always like... The investigator did a terrible job with that. You know, he says, is there an, on-, and I'm paraphrasing, is there an ongoing relationship between you and Miss Lewinsky? And he, and he can look straight face and go, no, and because there wasn't at the time. So it's one of those things. And if you look at government documents, and I know that you and I both have looked at them quite well, like the, the uh, SF-86 or the ITNAC, you know, the, that deep background investigation that they do, then nowhere in there does it say, uh, is there now a blank? It says, is there now or has there ever been a blah, blah, blah? So, yeah, are you now or have you ever? Yeah. So when when I heard that investigator ask him that question, I'm like, well, shit. You know, that thing was probably written by Clinton's lawyer or something and said, you ask him this and he'll answer it. Yeah, like he was basically asked a question where if he had said yes, he would have been wrong in one way. And had he said no, he would have been wrong in another way. So... Uh, he, he was he was looking for clarification uh, deservedly based on the way the question the poor, the extremely poor way in which the question was phrased. Yeah, and I've been on the witness stand before um, testifying in trials that I've where I've been the lead investigator, and I've had the defense attorney say, you know, uh, you know, Chief Warrant Officer Brown, isn't it true that you said blah blah blah? I'm like, no. And then he'll ask me another way or, or whatever. And about the third or fourth time, I'll finally go, look, I think I know where you're going. This is exactly what I said. You know, but of course, Bill Clinton wasn't going to be that forthcoming, bless his heart. But yeah, anyhow. So we're way, we're way off track. Yeah. What the hell? What, what's this episode about? <laughs> yeah, I think it's about journaling, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, what, what else you got on the history there, man? Nothing. I just wanted to kind of open it up with that. And, um, 
you know, we could talk about words all day long. As a matter of fact, I'll give a really good book plug if, if uh, for those that are listening that want more of some of this stuff. The, uh, it's the, is it the Madman and the Professor or the Professor and the Madman? Are you familiar with this book? I am not. Let me look it up here. Yeah, but the Professor and the Madman, it's, uh, it says it's a tale of murder, but it's more than just that. A tale of murder, insanity, and the making of the Oxford English Dictionary. So back in the 1800s, they had to uh, come up with the Oxford English Dictionary. And um, they need to collect all the words in the English language. So they put out a thing. Uh, Oxford said, give us all your words and tell us what it means and tell us where you found it. And they opened it up to anybody. And this one uh, American, Dr. W.C. Minor, contributed a, a large portion, if not the most, of anybody to the writing of it. And at some point, the professor who was putting the dictionary together said, man, I want to go meet this Dr. Minor. And uh, he f- and I'll leave it at that. I won't spoil it. it. It's such an amazing story. You'd think this has to be fiction, but it's not. Uh, so check out that book, The Professor and the Madman. I will definitely check that out, man. And that is the thing that you and the listeners should hold me accountable for going forward on our What Did You Do This Week section. Uh, Every single book you recommend sounds absolutely fascinating to me. And I found the time to read maybe one or two of them and watch a couple of the movies you've recommended. But I I need to start getting better about that, man. Well, we we definitely both do. And I will... You've been to my house. You've seen the, the stacks of books sitting everywhere and, you know, bookcases and stuff. I, I am an avid reader, and I, the problem I have with reading is I'll get a couple of chapters in, and then I'll jump off, oh, look, a butterfly, and I'll grab another book and take off. Man, I, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I, I have a—there's so many books and so little time to sit and read them, man. Yeah, and so and I think that's a good segue, finally, to get us back on track with journaling. You know, one of the reasons would— one of the things we're going to talk about with journaling is it helps you get your get your mind wrapped around these thoughts and these uh, trains of thoughts that you're going to have. So let's start with that, man. Why should you journal, Justin? Well, you've got some good stuff here. What's one of the reasons I should? Yeah, I definitely think there are some hard reasons you should journal. There's also some like squishier kind of emotional reasons, but uh, start out with health reasons. A journal can help you track things, help you keep track of things. Um, with much more accuracy than you can just remembering things. If I think about my diet, I think, oh, I've been pretty healthy this week, or oh, I haven't been eating as well as I can this week. But uh, you can keep a food journal and know exactly what you've eaten and be, and, and be able to go back and say, oh, well, actually, I haven't done that bad, or yeah, I need to tighten this up a little bit. Um, it can help you track health conditions. It can help you track things like your mood, your period, your weight, Etc. Uh, and this has a, a pretty massive health benefit if you have a health condition that, and we all have a health condition that requires we eat a pretty healthy diet because it's going to kill us if we don't. Um, having a journal can also help keep you accountable to plans to work out, plans to uh go to the dojo a little more, plans to hit the range a little more often, that sort of thing. If you're looking that at that in black and white, um, actually sometimes for me, just being able to come home and put that bullet, like went to the gym, did chest and triceps or whatever, uh, that is a little bit of a motivator to me to get out and do it. Cause I know in a week I'm going to be able to look back at that and be like, yep, I hit the gym every day this week that I wanted to. Yeah. And I listened to, um, I think his name was George Lockhart, uh, on the Joe Rogan podcast the other day. 
And Mr. Lockhart is a, uh, he is the lead guy to help you cut weight if you're a UFC or an MMA fighter, whether you're in Bellator or the UFC or whatever. And Joe's like, so you got a degree in nutrition? He's like, nope. Well, what's your degree in? I don't have a degree. And he says, well, dude, how are you doing this? I mean, how do you, how do you, he goes, I learned how to cut weight in the Marine Corps. And I'm like, holy crap, the same here, dude. I know more about cutting weight than just about anything I, I know how to do because from the time I was probably 22 to the time I retired at 42, I was always over my max weight. And I, I never had a problem doing anything physically you want me to do, but for whatever reason, my body style, I was never going to be a little skinny guy. I was a little chubby kid growing up, and I was a you know, overweight Marine the whole time. So I had to monitor my weight in my, uh, so on my journal at the top left-hand corner of every journal entry, you'll see my weight because I wanted to make sure that I was always no more than 10 pounds over my max weight so that I could cut that weight in a day if I had to and get it off me. I love it, man. I have, I have never had that problem at all. I've always been the guy that's trying to put on weight or keep on weight. Um, it, that, that <laughs> I have no, no idea about cutting weight. But having a journal, one thing I will say about this as far as keeping me accountable to going to the gym is it builds steam. It builds its own kind of force because once I have like, yeah, man, I've been to the gym three days a week, every week for the last five weeks. I don't want to break that cycle. So it creates its own, like the longer I run with it, the stronger and stronger the pressure that applies to me gets. Yeah, and... You know, you talk about you, there's so many Marines, probably half of the Marine Corps, maybe more that that have never, ever, ever had to worry about weight. And I always found it funny. The sauna, you know, before we'd have to go make weight, it would be me and this general officer, a couple other colonels, a couple of master gunnery sergeants, and we'd be all together in the sauna sweating for hours on end. And finally, one day the general looked at me and he, and he said, there's got to be something more important that a general officer could be doing for his nation than sitting in the fucking sauna losing weight. <laughs> yeah. And I just chuckled because I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't matter, man. Somebody wrote that into policy and that's what we all got to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agreed, man. So uh, there's a little bit back to the journaling. There's a little bit of research that indicates journaling can actually improve your immune system. I have no idea how that works. Uh, but the, the indicate there's kind of a little bit of a correlation there and it may be that pressure to eat better, to work out better, to sleep better, to fuck better, to whatever it is that, that, uh, has a physiological, uh, effect on your that's body. An inter- that's an interesting one. I'm going to have to look that up, but, um, I, I don't, I don't disagree with it, but I wonder how maybe it's. Correlation, causation, not sure, but I'll definitely look into that. What about emotional or mental health reasons? One So with, with your immune system, one thing it may do is these emotional and mental health reasons. Journaling absolutely helps you cope with stressful events. And as you know, Rich, having a bunch of cortisol coursing through your veins from being stressed out all the time, working and living in a very high stress environment is not great for your immune system. Uh, The better you're able to manage stress and deal with stress and process stressful events, the better off you are generally, uh, physically speaking, but the, uh, your immune system has a substantially big benefit from being able to cope with stress well. Yeah, I agreed, man. So helping you cope with stress, uh, stressful events is, is a great thing for the journal. And uh, like we were talking yesterday before the show, Justin, as I was reading through some of my journal entries of the past 10 years or so, 
I came across the death of my sister and how I wrote four pages just kind of freehand letting my thoughts pour out on the page really did help me kind of wrap my head around that that event. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, uh, helps you understand others' points of view. How can journaling help you understand someone else's point of view? Well, by kicking around some, like by choosing what you write, you have to think a little bit critically about what you're going to put on the page. And this is a problem that I've ran into in the past with long form journaling. Is I I have so much to say. I'm thinking it much faster than my hand can write it, and. Uh, it forces you to think a little bit about what you want to say. And like my journal, when I did long form journaling on paper was, was much more, I guess, naked and honest. And, uh, also I tried not to, um, I tried to be very, very honest with myself in that I, I'm not going to frame something just the way I see it. I, I think this forces you almost into a little bit of, of taking the role of others, of role-taking, uh, which can help you understand where that other party is coming from. And this may be a conscious effort on your part of, I want to know where Rich is coming from when, when he did this that I don't like. Or it could just be a, all right, I'm going to write out all the issues, all you know, everything that happened today. And being able to uh, just put that on paper forces you to think about it. And being able to go back and read it some days later helps you process that in a different way. Yeah, totally agreed. And the next note you have here is reassures yourself, uh, confidence and awesomeness type journaling. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. So, um, and, and you and Mike Seeklander have talked about this on the American Warrior Show when you talk about what is it? Personal um, Your performance statement. Performance statement. Um, I'm awesome. I'm uh, I'm going to be the national champion. I'm going to. Whatever, and and I've I've taken classes with Mike Seeklander where he's talked about performance statements. Uh, so a, a confidence journal or an awesomeness journal or whatever, it basically, if it, and everybody does from time to time. Uh, if if you're having uh, I guess some trouble with self esteem, if you're you know if, if you're thinking like man I I don't know what's wrong with me, I just can't seem to get everything right lately. Uh, this journal of every day writing right basically writing out that performance statement of I'm going to be the chief financial officer of this company. I'm going to, I'm going to be the national champion. I'm going to whatever, uh, that can actually, that prophecy can actually self-fulfill because if you're, if you're not hearing that from anywhere else, at least you're hearing, hearing it from yourself, you're taking the time to physically write that out, which, um, one of the principles of influence is consistency and commitment. If you, if someone writes something out, it reinforces that much more solidly than just thinking it or than speaking it out loud. So it can, that prophecy can fulfill itself, man. Yeah. You definitely have to, to write it down. I I completely agree with that, but gain clarity on your own perspective on things. And that's almost the same thing as being very clear with your language on exactly what it is you want to, what you want and what you want to accomplish definitely can get that with, with journaling, you know, um, helping you, you understand yourself better, I think may help you with, uh, dealing with some cognitive dissonance. You know, if there's two competing thoughts or two competing beliefs that you have and they're causing you emotional stress, of course that could bleed over into, f- uh, physical, physiological stress, 
But if you put those thoughts down on paper, you can work out some of that stuff and maybe relieve that cognitive dissonance. We talked about health reasons. We talked about these emotional and mental health reasons. Let's talk about some practical reasons. And uh, first one, I'm going to say you can actually protect yourself with a journal. And we see this come up with, uh, you know, sometimes in the in the public sphere. And, you know, I make a note to do this for certain critical things. So, uh, you know, it might be something as simple as I had a phone meeting with so and so on this date. And he said this. So if it comes up in question later on, and this actually happened on my uh, on my job not too long ago. I said, hey, I need to be reimbursed for this. Uh, somebody said, well, you know, you should have got that approved. Uh, you know, I, I, why are you waiting this long? This is the first time I'm hearing about it. You've already spent the money. Why is this just happening? I'm like, nope, on this date right here, had a phone call with so-and-so uh, regarding this. Uh, I'm happy to get you back in touch with him if, if that's, you know, if need be. Uh, things like uh, a while back, I had physical possession of a key to a building uh, and it's a and I know the alarm code for that building. It's a secure facility, and I turned that key back in when I was finished working there. And it was a Friday afternoon. The guy that's taking the key is just like, "Yeah, man, I'll I'll log it in the book. Just hand it to me." And I'm like, "Are you sure, man? Are you sure you got this?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, we're good." Well, that's a city that I don't live in. It's a city that I work in sporadically, maybe three times a year. I'll be there for a few weeks, and I know. If he didn't log that in, if he forgot to log that in, it's going to be forgotten. So now there's just that line where I've signed that key out and I've never signed it back in. So I made a note in my journal, turned the key back in to this individual on this date, and it was witnessed by these two people. So if it ever comes up, I have a little bit of protection there. Yeah, and if you can have them sign your logbook, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. We had an issue one time where... uh, when I was running a recruiting office here in the state of Tennessee uh, way back when... Every damn do- kid's document we would take to the Nashville MEPS, which is the Military Entrance Processing Center, would get would go missing. And I'm like, oh, you know what? Screw this. So then I would make them take a logbook. You and I would make that guy at the MEPS who was who outranked me sign for it. You're not. You want it bad enough? You're going to sign for every document I give you. And and that that's another way that journaling can can do for you. And I'll give you a, another example. Uh, Colonel Ole, who was uh, he was the commanding officer of the tank uh, battalion that led the Thunder Run into Baghdad. After he got back to the states, he said, "I was standing in, I think it was like Food City in Swansboro, North Carolina, with his wife. He was on leave. I know exactly where that Food City is. <laughs> yeah, I think we all do if you've been in in that sucky part of the world. But anyway, that armpit of America." And he said, um, I get this phone call and on um, my cell. And I, I, yeah, yes, sir. And it's the chief of staff for the division. He's like, we just found one of your M1 Abrams tanks burned out in Ramadi. You need to get up here to the to the general to see you right now. And he's like, oh, my God. So they left the place that he ran back, grabbed his journal from his house. And sure enough, uh, you know, he called back to get the serial number of the tank because those tanks cost almost nine million dollars. And uh, he found where he had signed that specific tank over to some other lieutenant colonel. And that guy had signed for that tank just in a journal, just in a muddy, dirty journal. So in some combat zone, they had to do a changeover. So if he hadn't had that record, man, he would probably got court martialed and 
thrown in the brig. Yeah, that would have been bad. So uh, one thing on that, Rich, what, let me throw one note of caution in here. If this is a personal journal and you intend to use it for something like that, that could make your, and, and you know, let's say this goes to court. Let's say your company is the subject of some sort of litigation and you're like, nope, we did this because I noted it on my journal on these three dates. Guess what, buddy? Your whole journal is going to become discoverable. So anything that's included in that, if, if you're actually going to use that as some sort of legal proof, your entire journal gets turned over. So, you know, maybe just a note of caution on that. Um, I do carry my little paper notebook in my EDC bag, and that is not a journal, but uh, I will note certain things like that. And like you said, I didn't have the guy sign saying that I had turned the key back in, but I did write that down physically in that book. So that book just has all sorts of little scrap notes and whatever. It's not my journal of this is when Kai and I did this. This is what I thought about that. Uh, you know, just be aware of that. That's a great point. And something that, and I'm not an attorney and Justin, you, you aren't either, but one of, not one of my attorneys, my attorney told me that if I wanted that protection where I don't have to surrender these journals, I can put his name at the top of it. And then that will cover it with attorney client privilege. Uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. So there's some journals that I have with another uh, business that I'm uh, responsible for where on the I print off these journal sheets for them to keep in their three ring binders, uh, the leadership of the company at the and at the bottom or the top of every one of them in very small font. It has our attorney's name on it so that those are not don't have to get turned over to anybody. Anyway, just a little cover your ass. Oh, nice. Well, that's that's good to go. Uh, uh, but one one thing on that, if um, like, yeah, that's that's attorney client privilege, if if. Uh, and man, I'm, I'm revealing my ignorance about how little I know about attorney client privilege. But if that's actually going to prove something, if that's going to prove I signed over this $9 million tank, you're going to have to show that document, right? And you're probably going to have to, you probably just can't tear that page out. You're probably going to have to show the whole thing, right? True. But my point is, everything else isn't discoverable. You don't have to learn about my bathroom habits. Uh, if all I want you to see is that one thing, if it didn't have it on it, maybe all of it would be discoverable. But I, again, I'm not, I'm not an attorney. I'd have to search one out, but i tell you, once he told me that I'm like, yep, I, that's an easy one, man. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that's good to know, man. And, uh, I'll have to get my legal team uh, on that. The ATP legal team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, all right. So uh, one uh, another couple of things here. This can help you remember things. You create your own historical record. Of, this is what, our, what, what was going on. Uh, things like day-to-day stuff. So Kai and I brew beer here at the house. And sometimes we're like, hey, man, did we start this, did we start this batch three weeks ago or four weeks ago. We need to do something to it. I don't know if we need to do it this weekend or next weekend. And it's just a quick little, oh, yep, start, we started you know, this batch on this date. So yeah, we got another week we can hold off. Um, it, it also uh, does for longer term stuff. Hey, what was the name of that restaurant we ate at? Uh, when, when we flew down to Phoenix, what, what was that place? Uh, what, um, sometimes I'll be honest, man, we just enjoy opening this thing, flipping back to a random entry and saying, what did we do on April 17th? And just like, holy crap, man, I remember that. And, uh, it's for me, man, this is an awesome way just to kind of track my, I I'm very big on, well, 
I'm not going to say what I'm big on. I'm going to say what I'm not big on. And that is, when did that happen? Did this happen before we did this or after? Like, I like knowing the order that things happened in and when things happened. So for me, I just like being able to remember my own life and when things happened. Yeah, I like that. And I did the same thing with my combat journal. I played around with journaling as a younger man. Then finally, when I knew we were going to go off to Desert Storm, I'm like, okay, man, I'm going to keep a a journal of this every single day. And I did. And I wish I would have been a little bit more specific with certain things. Like I, I was very clear on what MREs I ate and all this kind of crap. But some of the specifics of some of the missions I don't have the granularity that I wish I would have kept in it because, of course, memory fades and and um, and all this stuff. So I would tell you, be as specific as you want to be. Don't don't think I need to, uh, you know, just do a broad brushstroke over some of this stuff. Get get down to the weeds, man. If it's important to you, absolutely, man. And I I wish I had been journaling at that time. I I did not, but I basically all I have now are a few, you know, a, a handful of letters that people sent me, and I vaguely remember. Uh, you know, you can kind of contextually see some of the things I told people based on on how they responded to me or whatever. But unfortunately, I was not journaling at that time. Yeah. And it, it, another thing, and I hate to tell on myself, you know, I was, let's see, 21 years old. I just turned 21. And some of the immaturity in my language and my thoughts, man, it's it's funny to see it now as a, as a middle-aged man and go, damn, Rich, you know, what a... What a clown, but... Well, you know what, man? That, I, I think that's important, though. I think that's important, the ability to track your progress as a as a human, as a self-actualized individual, and be like, wow, I can't believe my head was there then. And in 20 more years, what are you going to be saying about your middle-aged self? It's probably not going to be as different, but it's probably going to be a little different. Yeah, it's good to see how I've matured and, and stuff over time. And that kind of leads us to our next next point, and that is... A journal can become a family heirloom. You know, my grandfather, Ralph Brown, you know, and all of his uh, ancestors before him were all illiterate. And uh, so that there is zero zero written record for me to look at. In fact, I was going through a stack of papers here on the farm, and I found my great-grandfather's will. And all he had done is place an X at the bottom of the page and then... Two other people had to sign next to him that, yes, the person that made this X was, in fact, him. And I'm not talking about this was in the 1880s. This was in the 1980s when he was, you know, uh, getting close to the end of his life. So what I wouldn't give for the thoughts and feelings of some of the people that have uh, come before me, especially their thoughts and feelings surrounding significant historical events. And I'll tell you, when my wife's mother uh, was killed in a car wreck, you know, that was devastating to my wife and her family. But the only thing that eased their pain was that she did leave behind a large collection of journals. So it was like they just gravitated to these. As soon as she was killed, it's like, oh, my God, those words became precious. And uh, my wife would read an entry or two every single night for months. And then came the day that, you know, we were laying in bed one night. And I, she just started weeping, and I'm like, "What's wrong? You know, what's wrong?" And she had just read the last written word uh, from her mother, and that would there would never be another one. So it was tragic and beautiful all at the same time. Yeah, I, I love that man, and you know that that's that's kind of a shame. I doubt I'm going to get any sort of uh, any sort of written record from you know from my family. None of my grandparents, my parents, I, I, you know, to my knowledge, no one's keeping any kind of uh, any kind of journal. 
my mother's side of the family, they did keep some notes during the Civil War. So I do have that to look back on, uh, how he came down to Knoxville to join the Union Army out of the mountains up in Irwin, Tennessee. And they wouldn't take him because he was 45 years old and had arthritis and stuff. And so he was afraid these uh, Confederate raiders would suck him up, you know. And, and so he hid out in the woods for four years, and his wife and kids would have to sneak him meals up to him and some other men that were hiding in caves because they didn't want to be a part of the Confederacy. But there's all kinds of... There's another good book I'll throw at you, Slaves in the Family by Edward Ball, man. Uh, he finds... He's a journalist and found out that his... Uh, family had owned these large plantations and uh, he had all these archives to comb through and wrote a really cool book about it. And I'm going to give another bonus book here, Justin. This is Company H by Samuel Watkins. And the reason I'm giving this recommendation is because if you're considering journaling, here's another great example, especially those of you that are in the law enforcement or military to keep a journal. Uh, Private Samuel Watkins, he enlists in the Civil War in the Confederacy and and goes through like the entire Civil War, almost complete four years, and somehow survives. And it is the most heartfelt, funny, gut-wrenching account you've ever heard from a guy who is in the mud and the mire and the thick of it in some of the most deadly battles of the Civil War and somehow come out the other side. And if you have any interest in that subject whatsoever, you definitely got to read his memoir called Company H, A-Y-T-C-H. And we'll have that in the show notes. I like that, man. I like that. And then I'll just throw one final thing on here for the reasons why you should journal. And, and I feel like we've hit this pretty well. I feel like we've given a bunch of reasons. But one that I really like, it can serve a track record of your successes and failures, your successes and mistakes, you, the things that you've done right and the things that you've done wrong. And this can be very, very micro of like, uh, you know, in, in this instance, I did this and whatever the, whatever that circumstance was, it didn't turn out the way I wanted. So next time I'm going to do something different or it could be longer term looking at patterns. Like you say, looking back at your 21 year old self and being like uh, being able to to pick patterns out of that. If you look at that with a jaundiced eye of, you know, I was doing that then I really don't didn't like that then and i'm i see that i'm still sometimes doing that um looking at it at the macro level yeah and if you do uh you know if you do lose journal about that yeah we want you to journal about your successes but more importantly if you did lose remember we either win or we learn so if you did lose or you wrecked your car or something went wrong got fired at work learn from that what is those nuggets of truth that we can learn from to, to grow and improve? Absolutely, man. I love it. So we have talked about the history of journaling a little bit. We've talked about why you should journal, the health reasons, the emotional and mental health reasons, and just the practical reasons. What do we want to get into now, man? Let's talk about some of the principles of journaling. And I'm going to let you start this off, Justin, with privacy. Yeah, I think privacy is pretty important to being able to be completely honest. If you're kind of worried about someone looking over your shoulder at what you're writing, it's very difficult to be completely 100% honest with anyone other than yourself, depending on what type of journal you're going for. It's it's hard to list all those failures and all those things that you don't like about yourself, or maybe all those things that you don't like about another person 
if there is some inherent fear that that person is going to see that information and maybe take it the wrong way, maybe not have the 100% full context of what you're talking about. Uh, So I think if you're journaling very honestly and openly, you should probably have a good expectation of privacy over that journal. Absolutely. And I've had a like I said, I, I dabbled with journals a little bit when I was a younger man. Then there was an, a, a, I was a senior in high school and a bunch of my buddies came over and they saw my journal laying out and, uh, you know, it was open season, man. Two or three dudes holding me down and, and another guy cracking up and reading them. And at the time I thought, oh shit, you know, it was just devastating. Uh, but you know, it, it was all in good fun. But the point of the matter is, I was completely honest in that journal, and I believe being honest, but I will also tell you this, I try to frame my thoughts a little bit because I know that what I'm writing is in ink. So I, it helps me to steer my thoughts to a more negative and po- a more positive place if I frame my thoughts correctly. Like, for example, let's say there's somebody that's pissing me off at work. I, I could easily just get down there and just bleed all over that page and just let my thoughts rip about what a loser this guy is. But sometimes I'll, I'll think, what are the merits of this guy? What are some of the performances that he does that I really want to water to grow more of? Let me think on that. Let me meditate on that. Let me write about that. And then maybe I'll bring those out in him tomorrow at work. Does that make sense? Absolutely, man. And I think, I, I think having an air of positivity on that is good for your mood. If you just focus on the negative, you're going to be a negative person. That's going to be what you reinforce. I I really like that, man. So let's talk about consistency, Justin. Tell us about that. Uh, I think this is easier to do if you develop a a time of doing it and you stick to that routine and kind of make it a habit, kind of build it into your daily routine. And for me, I've always been a nighttime journaler. So I always like to uh, recap the day in my journal, capture the significant events of that day or whatever's on my mind at the end of the day, rather than trying to do a first thing in the morning journal, which works for some people. I don't find that to be the, the best way for me, but for some people it is because you've had the night to sleep on that thing and your brain processes that information as you sleep, whatever happened the day before. So you may have a little bit more perspective on it if you write about the previous day in the morning. For me, I like to get it on the page uh, that night. I'm absolutely the same. It's a nightly ritual for me. Uh, although I have some friends that their morning, they have like a morning power hour or whatever they call it. They'll sit down with a cup of coffee. Like you said, they've had a, a night to sleep on some of these thoughts and maybe they're they're framed a little bit better for them. There's a little bit more clarity. But for me, I keep that journal on the nightstand. I read a little bit, I'll pick it up, I'll write a page, and then I put it down and go to bed. So it's one of those things for me, nighttime works best to to develop and create that consistency. Let's talk about honesty, man, as as a principle of journaling. How do you feel about that? I think you have to be honest with this because the only person you're going to lie to in this thing is you. True. Um, uh, what, what's the next thing on our, on our list of, about journaling today? Okay, so I would say the next thing you want to think about, and now we're kind of moving into if you're going to get into this, is form factor. And there are like essentially, as I see it, two different form factors, either writing stuff out on paper or doing stuff digitally. And here's where you and I diverge. Uh, we agree on pretty much everything we've talked about to this point. 
and and to be honest, I don't disagree with journaling on paper. I just find it doesn't necessarily work for me. And there's there are big pros and cons to both of these for sure. So um, I, I guess we're just going to go over that a little bit. Yeah, tell us about your your method, the digital part. Okay, so I use Standard Notes, and you know how that works. That's the app that you and I uh, use to handle the podcast notes. It uh, Standard Notes is free. It's completely open source. It's encrypted, and what it allows me to do is I can download the Standard Notes app on my computer, my iPhone, my basically any device, or if I don't want to download it, I can just go to app.standardnotes.org and log into my account through my browser. And I have access to it on all my devices. So let's say I'm out and something happens that I want to note. I just open up standard notes. I type that in. And when I get back home, it's synced. You know, I log in from my computer. It's already synced up there. Um, The things I like about this, it's easy to make this private so I can, you know, put a long, strong username and password on it. Uh, I can put two-factor authentication on it. Uh, I journal a little bit differently than you do. And we'll we'll talk about how exactly that works. But uh, Kai and I share a journal and it's basically... An us journal. I, I don't know. I don't know how to describe this, but uh, we we bullet journal, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, we both add things to this journal through the day as they happen. So uh, we, you know, we both kind of keep track of what's going on in our lives through this one single journal. The thing I like about the digital is it's uh, very fast, very easy to update. I can update it from my phone, from my computer, wherever I am, I can update this journal. She can update it and it comes back to me. Like I see her updates pretty much in real time, which actually sometimes has its own little benefit. Sometimes there's little messages to each other in those journal entries. Uh, You know, sometimes I'll open up the journal in the afternoon to put something in and be like, oh, Kai said this and... I'll write something that's kind of crafted as a response to that. But um, like those are the pros. The cons, I guess, are theoretically this this could be hacked and lost. Um, the service could go down. If that does happen, I, you can download a backup locally to your computer. And I do that every Friday. I download my backup of my standard notes account so I, I can restore it if you know, something unforeseen happens. And then this is not quite as trustworthy as paper. So if this is a thing that you are going to use to prove that you turned that key in or that you had that meeting or you signed that tank over, this is, I'd say this is not as trustworthy because uh, I could go back to any entry in here I wanted, any date that I wanted and put in anything that I wanted and it wouldn't look out of place or any different. Yeah, those those are those are really good reasons. Um, you want me to talk about my paper form? Yeah, hit it, man. Okay. Let's talk about the pros first. For one, I'm a very uh, kinesthetic guy, very tactile. I like the feel of paper in my hand. I like the feel of the outside of the book, the weight of it, uh, the dimensions of it. Everything about it, uh, it gives me some sort of sensory input that I, I enjoy. The other thing is it's highly portable, very accessible. I can throw this in my bag and go. Uh, not that yours isn't. I mean, you definitely have the ability to have it on your phone, sync to your laptop. It's across all platforms. But there's something about, um, you know, just tossing this thing in your bag and taking off. It, 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 the other thing, but probably the main thing of why I like the paper journal, it, it keeps me from mixing my work life, i.e. my laptop, with the joy of journaling. Anything I do on this laptop, to me, is work. I don't want to be here. 
<laughs> I want to be outside in the sunshine doing something I enjoy, being with people that I enjoy being with. I'm not an introvert, so sitting in front of the laptop is work. Sitting with my journal and a great cup of coffee is not work. It's never going to be work for me. So that's that's something there. Let's talk about the cons because paper paper journaling it, it definitely has some cons. Number one, that, that thing could be lost. And if it's lost, it could definitely be read by someone that I wouldn't want crawling around inside my head. The other thing, it can be damaged. You know, as a genealogist, I will tell you that as you start looking back through census records, American census records, you will find brick walls where those uh, census records were lost in a fire at, at the National Archives back in 18-whatever. And they're just gone. They can never be recovered. But with the way that you do it with digitally, you know, there, a lot of that stuff is recoverable or it can be backed up. With with this, It's once it's lost or damaged, it's gone forever. So those are some pros and cons about paper journaling. Yeah, also I'd say... One con for me is that, uh, you know, again, like I mentioned, like the thoughts are coming just faster than I can get them out. Um, but y- yeah, I, I agree with you, man. And as far as, uh, as far as the risk of loss or damage, let's say there's some sort of cataclysmic event, uh, 500 years from now, people are rooting around through our stuff. I, I don't know that anything digital is really going to remain in any kind of usable form either, man. So like long-term paper might be just as durable as, uh, as that USB flash drive. Yeah, probably. Good point. So uh, let's talk about journal styles, man. Tell us about how you do it. Uh, so I do a bullet journal and basically, uh, my journal looks, uh, basically if you look at my journal entries, there's a date. And then if you scroll down through that date, like uh, right under that date, there's a bullet, uh, you know, just a, a dash and a short, a very short, succinct sentence about what happened. So, uh, you know, a typical bullet journal entry might be, um, Kai went to the gym at 5.30, which she frequently does. Um, you know, had breakfast, you know, had this for breakfast. I went to the gym. I recorded an episode with Rich. Kai got off early and we went to l- like a late lunch. Uh, we watched this, we talked about this, we had sex and went to bed or, or something along those lines. Very, very short, very succinct. And the biggest thing I like about this, man, it's super easy to stick to. And, and she, she puts stuff into this too, like had a meeting with so-and-so. Um, it's, it's very, very easy to stick to because it's not a huge time commitment, which the thing I found with long form journaling is I'd be like, okay, I'm going to write one page a day in my little notebook and Two weeks later, it's turning into four or five pages a day, and it gets to the point where I'm like, dude, I just don't, I just don't have time to write. I, I have a hard time striking a balance of enough information without going into too much information where it gets, uh, where it just becomes too, too much work for me, for lack of a better term. Yeah. So um, that that bullet. That, here's what I'm going to commit to. I'm going to take a picture of one journal page, so you can see how I write. You can see my handwriting. You can see everything. And I would encourage you to do that and put that in the show notes as well, uh, Justin, so that they can juxtapose the two different styles and get an idea of exactly what we're talking about. Would you Would you be willing to do that? Yeah, man. I'm, I'm more than happy to do that. Uh, you ready for me to talk about uh, long-form narrative? Yeah, hit me. Okay. Here's the way I think about it. Like for As far as pros go, it really gives you the opportunity to explore your thoughts and shape them on paper. And for me, this allows, not only allows, but forces and fosters thought reflection. So 
I have tried bullets before, but what I found is some of the bullets or the acronyms that I use could be misinterpreted or confusing with the lapse of time. Like if I use like, especially during combat, the acronyms that we use in the Marine Corps back then aren't necessarily the same acronyms now. And there's really no way to kind of disentangle what that may or may not have meant. So sometimes um, knowing that I must fill up one whole page of paper I will get creative and add in a receipt uh, from like a meal that I had or something that I purchased. Like one time I went grocery shopping and I thought, you know, it'd be kind of cool to to see this grocery receipt 50 years from now and you can see what the prices for different things were. So I stuck that in the journal, taped it to that page and moved on. Uh, that kind of helps fill up the page. Or if you like to sketch, you can do that. Uh, or one of the things with... The way we take photos now is obviously different than the way we took photos when I was a kid. You know, you went down to the one-hour photo mart, and they produced them. Well, now I can produce my my photos here at home, or I can just leave them on my flash drive or whatever. So what I'll do is I'll take those photos that correspond to what I was doing that day, and I'll put them in with the journaling. Or maybe there's a magazine article or an advertisement that really spoke to me a flyer or a program from something that the kids were doing or an event or a movie ticket or maybe an email that really made a difference in my life that day. Maybe it was a really shitty email that pissed me off. And if I'm going to talk about it in the journal, sometimes I'll I'll make a, I'll print it off and I'll stick it in there. And the other thing I didn't like about some of the long form narrative journaling I would do is it became a travel and food log. I traveled to New Orleans. I checked into the La Pavilion. I went and had lunch at Yo Mama's Burger. Then we went to the casino that night and spent $5. I I just like, I didn't really feel like that was what I wanted to reflect on. So I tried to explore my thoughts and feelings more than, when, than writing something like, we went here, we did this, we she said that. As a matter of fact, when I taught creative writing, we had a saying, more seen, less summary. Do you, have you ever heard that term before, more seen, less summary? No, I haven't, man. Okay, here's what that means to me. When you're reading a book and the uh, author will just kind of summarize, during the winter, John you know, spent his time in deep reflection, da-da-da-da. Instead of that summarizing event, instead I would prefer you paint the scene. He walks across the winter plain. He did, he says this, and the old man said this in return, and, and you're creating a scene in which you put these characters. That's how I kind of like to do long-form uh, narrative with journaling. The other thing is it gives me an opportunity to work on my pen, penmanship. I mean, how often today do you really write things down or really write paragraphs down long-form by hand? You really don't. So the second thing that if once I started focusing on my penmanship, I said, what is the kind of pen I really want to write with? And I found that I really enjoy these pens made in Germany by Lamy, L-A-M-Y. And I prefer a medium wide nib fountain pen made by Lamy. And uh, I became very conscious about handwriting and how I wanted to shape different uh, my cursive so that it would look how that it would look on the page. I don't know if that makes any sense at all, but that that's some of the considerations. Yeah, it, it, that all definitely makes sense, man. And as you were saying that, I think you and I maybe have slightly different goals uh, from our journals. I Like for me, it's just kind of to create a historical record 
of when significant things happened uh, that I can easily reference back to. And which also brings me up to another pro for digital. I can easily search that for any word and it'll pull up that particular entry and I can see exactly what I can find that really, really quickly what I'm looking for. Uh, Whereas um, I think your, I think your journal is a lot more versatile, but I think that um, that exploration of thought is kind of what my journal is lacking is maybe a little bit more the focus of yours. Yeah. And like you said, you know, as far as the cons for the long form narrative, you know, Justin, like you said, it can be daunting to face that blank page at the end of a long day. You know what I'm saying? So like, especially if it's, if that day's just been a kick in the nuts, you, you come to the end of the day and I'm looking at it there on the nightstand. I'm like, man, mm, I really don't want to do that. But, and the other thing is, what if someone finds that, that, uh, journal written in long form and some of my rambling unformed thoughts that maybe I haven't even put my arms around and yet I just let it spill onto the page and if somebody read that how could they misinterpret that so those are definitely concerns but uh, I still enjoy the long form narrative I don't think there's anything at all wrong with bulleting and maybe if you haven't been journaling and you're listening to us, maybe start with Justin's idea. Start with the bullets, and then as you move along, try to add some meat onto those bones. I like it a lot, man, it, and that's exactly what my journal is. It's it's the bones of the day, man. Yeah, so let's talk about journal styles and stuff. Tell us about that. So, man, there's all different types of journals you can make. So, you know, I make a bullet journal with basically it's just a SIG axe log, a significant axe of the day. Rich makes a long form journal that is much more detailed and much more rich and would probably be a much more entertaining read. Um, there's all kinds of stuff you can do here. So there's diet journals. If you have a particular health problem or you're trying to stick to a particular diet or isolate some factor in your life that might be influenced by diet, this could be very, very helpful for you. And this would this could be a narrative form or this could also be put into bullet form. And it's basically just a list of everything you eat every single day. And again, some, this brutal honesty is required. You can't eat that Snickers bar and be like, well, I'm not going to put that in the journal because I'd hate for someone to see that. Like you need to be completely honest with yourself. Um, there are, uh, all, all types of different journals, rich, uh, self-affirmation journals, which we kind of, you know, the, the awesomeness journals or the self-reassurance journals we talked about earlier. Um, I, I mean, the sky's pretty much the limit on what you want to record and what you want to track. There's probably uh, a journal out there for you. And if there's not, you know what, you can write whatever the hell you want on that page. So this could be just your, uh, you know, your personal, this is the thing that I want to have a detailed record of. This is what I'm going to journal. Yeah, I like that. And I've always been a, a kind of an art kid growing up. And uh, and I always wish that I put more art into my journal. Like my daughter, you know, she's a, she's always been an avid journaler. And she will uh, sketch all through her journals. And they're just absolutely beautiful. And, you know, it would definitely make a really compelling read because you not only have her words and thoughts, that long form narrative, but you have sketches that accompany that to really express the mood on the page. But uh, I'm going to tell you real quick how I do mine. So I mentioned the long form. What I'll do is as I fill up one journal, when I get to the end of it, I'll go back and I will reread it cover to cover. And I I only write, like if you imagine opening the journal to the right hand side of the page is where I will actually write one day at a time. 
to the left of that is going to be a blank page. It's the back of the preceding page. And I will take a yellow sticky and I'll say, find a picture of this. And then I'll go to the next page. I'll read it and I'll say, print off a picture of my wife or my dog or my kid or whatever, the book cover for this book. And once I get to the end of it, I'll go back and pull those yellow stickies off and I'll just sit there for about an hour and I'll print off some pictures that correspond with those yellow stickies and then I'll tape them in the book. And I, that again, that that's just the way I do it. I'm not telling you how to do, do it. Just if you, if you can imagine my book is literally words and thoughts and a, a photo accompaniment. I absolutely love that brother. I have never heard anything like that. And I, I do fully comprehend the power of photos to evoke a memory or to, for me, even going back through my phone's camera roll, I can, I can look at almost any picture in there. I might not be able to tell you the exact date, but I'm like, oh yeah, that's what we did on this day. That's what happened. You know, here's where I was. Here's what I was thinking. Here's what was going on when I took this photo because I wanted to share it with this person or I wanted to remember this particular aspect of this thing or whatever. Unfortunately, and I, and I do print out actual photo albums, but uh, yeah, man, I haven't incorporated that into a cohesive whole with my journal. I really, really like that. Cool. Let's do some notes on journaling. This is just some, literally just some random notes here that I've, I've written down or you've written down. Somebody wrote these down. I prefer to buy my own journal, okay? And I don't script on the price. In fact, a pro tip I would say is make your first journal that you go buy. If you've listened to this episode and you want to give it a try, make it an expensive one so that you'll feel like you must journal for 21 days or the journal was a waste of good money. So I would encourage that because what I found is if someone buys a journal for you, like my awesome wife one year, uh, she knows that I'm always journaling. So she went out and bought me a journal and to her, she loved it. But to me, (laughs) I absolutely hated it. I did not want to hold it. I didn't want to look at it and I sure as hell didn't want to use it. So, uh, I think that if you're a tactile person like me, you're going to want to buy your own journal. Would you agree with that? I would definitely agree with that, man. I'm kind of, uh, even though I'm not a writer on on paper, I am very picky about not only my paper and the books that I'm writing on, but also the pens that I write with, as, as I think you are. Oh, 100%. So one other thing I would say is the consistency of the type of journal I buy, I like the look and feel of using the same types of journals year in and year out. To me, it becomes, uh, you know, like I'm meeting with an old friend when I pick up that and there's that consistency of look, thought and feel. Yeah, I can totally appreciate that, man. And I used to make my own calendars. I'd make my own day planners because nothing served my needs perfectly. And I would buy the same notebook. I would spend probably several hours lining out this notebook and putting the dates in. And I would put page numbers on there. And one of these notebooks would usually last me about six or seven months. And like what I was essentially doing was reverse bullet journaling. I was putting things I intended to do on those pages before I actually did them and then checking them off as I went. But one thing I love, man, I've got several of those now. They're all exactly the same size. I love seeing them stacked end to end. I like uh, opening those things up and flipping back through them and saying, man, that's what I was doing on, uh, you know, September 14th of 
2010. Again, that's not a journal. That was more of a calendar than a journal. But I know exactly what you mean about that, man. Well, I think that's an interesting distinction. You know, there's there's the professional journal, and I'll give you an example on this. And we probably need to do an episode on like uh, some of these little uh, tips and tricks and stuff of how to organize your your professional life. And one of them, I read this in a leadership book. I don't have to find it, but and then I read it again in um, Tom Tommy Frank's uh, book. General Tommy Franks, and that is to keep a five by eight index card every single day. And what I did was um, on the cover of it, it had a matrix of how my day plan would normally go, because as an operations officer in the Marine Corps, it's a very structured day. You know, we have time hacks that have to be met. We have things that have to be accomplished. And so there was a very rigid way of of, of doing things. So that would be the front of that card where I would check these things off as they occur in pencil. I'd write notes. And then on the back side, at the end of the day, I would write down these were the uh, kind of challenges that I faced during that day, and I'd draw a line down the center, and then I would say, this is how I'm going to convert this challenge to an opportunity for me to exploit. So uh, that was a professional journal. I three-hole punched those little 5 8 index cards and kept them. And that way it gave me a historical record because the because – Whatever your professional life is, whether you sell pizzas or you sell cars or you build houses, you're going to see these certain cycles year in and year out. So I could go back to March and say, what were the challenges and opportunities I faced in March? Because guess what? They're probably going to repeat themselves. So just something to to think about, because I think that's an interesting thing you brought up, Justin. Yeah, and that's something I haven't really considered before, Rich, is keeping a a completely separate professional journal, though I probably should have, uh, considering what I just, what I mentioned earlier about a personal journal potentially being discovered, but I I like that three by five card idea quite a bit. Yeah, um, so let's talk about the, the, probably the last one here is, if you're still struggling with, um, man, I don't know about this journaling idea. Here's a, here's a little starter kit for you. They make these things, and the one that I have here is called, let's see, A Father's Legacy, A Lasting Heritage for Your Children. And it says, Your Life Story in Your Own Words. And it, it's like 300 pages or something like that, and every page in the journal will pose a question to you at the top, and then you'll have to write a narrative to answer that question. So let's say I do get killed in a car wreck tomorrow. And my kids could find this and go, what did dad think about X? You look at the top and the, here I get to, to give you my philosophical musings on what that meant to me. So that might be a good one to get the juices flowing. What do you think? Absolutely, man. I'm all about it. Okay. So anything else before we go to the book of the week? I think that's pretty much covered it, man. I would just, you know, I would just exhort people one more time. If you've never journaled before, uh, you know, make a, like Rich said, make a 21 day plan, a 30 day plan, whatever it is. If, you know, if a bullet journal is all you've got time for or all you're interested in, at least do that. And then go back and go back and look at that. And I feel like if, I feel like if you do that for a month and go back and look at that record, that's going to encourage you to carry that habit forward. Agreed. So Book of the Week is going to be The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. And before I go any further, this a, here's a full disclosure about, about uh, Stephen Pressfield. He's a former Marine, and uh, one of his other works is very famous. It's called Gates of Fire, and it's about the Spartans at the Battle of Thermopylae. 
And, um, you know, the movie 300, you probably, the listener may be familiar with Gerard Butler's movie, uh, 300. That's, that's the, the event that he wrote about. And, and this book just took off in the Marine Corps and the Marine Corps made it part of the commandant's reading list. And they highly encourage you to read it. And I have tried to read this damn book. Oh my God, Justin, probably literally a dozen times. And I have not gotten past the first probably 50 pages, and there's, there's reasons for that I won't go into, but uh, his book, The War of Art, which is the subject of our book of the week this week, is an amazing book. And what he says in this thing is, basically, I can put every shrink out of business. I can you know, put a large dent in the pharmaceutical industry if more people would just let go of their creative self, and, and which goes back to journaling. Uh, I think that you will... Uh, encounter someone on the page that that maybe you haven't encountered before. So I would encourage you to do that. The other thing he talks a lot about is something he calls resistance. And that's the fear, self-doubt, procrastination, perfectionism, all these forms of self-sabotage that may stop you from doing creative work. And, and if it's stopping you from doing creative work, he postulates, it's probably stopping you from realizing your dreams or your uh, true potential. So uh, if you read the book, The War of Art, I think it's going to help you uh, break through and win some not only inner creative battles, but probably some other battles in your life. So highly encourage that book. Man, I got to check that out. That is incredibly fascinating because I'm familiar with all those forms of self-sabotage of, you know, uh, fear of imperfection and and. Uh, whatever, procrastination and everything else. I had no idea this book even existed, although I did read Gates of Fire years ago. Absolutely loved that book. Kind of a, a historical fiction account of the battle at the Gates of Thermopylae, um, which at the time the movie 300 wasn't out. That I don't feel like uh, that battle was quite as common knowledge as, as it is now. But, I, man, I love that guy's work, and I ended up reading a couple more books that he wrote, but I, I had no clue this existed, man. He's actually written, and if you're not following his blog, if the listener isn't, it's actually really, really good. He's got some several books. He's got The War of Art, Turning Pro, where he talks about you know amateurs developing professional habits, doing the work. Uh, nobody wants to read your shit. <laughs> so he's got a lot of books that kind of talk about uh, the process of writing. So check him out. Yeah, will do, man. I that that is going on my short list, dude. So um, should should we close this thing out? Lead us out, my man. Brother, this has been far longer than I thought we would go on just talking about keeping a damn journal. But uh, okay, so first of all, thanks to everybody that listens to Across the Peak. We greatly appreciate it. Thanks to all the people that write into Across the Peak, man. We love getting your emails. We love hearing your thoughts, love answering your questions, entertaining your show suggestions. Uh, be in touch with us. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Across the Peak. And uh, the best thing you can do for us is to share the show with someone that could use this information. We want to reach everyone. We want to provide some content to make somebody's everybody's life better. So share this with somebody. And remember, be safe. And if you can't be safe, be dangerous. You've been listening to the Across the Peak podcast. Be sure to visit acrossthepeak.com for show notes and bonus content. Until then, be safe. And if you can't be safe, be dangerous.